One of the things that's very important for us to recognize is that in the midst of all these things that we've talked about, there should be a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ throughout all of it. He's the reason why we're here. Amen? He's the reason why we're in this building. He's the reason why we're here to recognize and give praise and worship to him. And all of us have, like Vic said, we all have different needs. We all have different things that are going on in our lives. And no one is immune to hardship. It happens. But there's two responses. You can either sit and feel sorry for yourself and go into a shell and say that, well, there's no sense in doing anything further. Or you can respond, recognizing that God gave you life, breath, and energy and the ability to speak to other people about the goodness that you've received in Jesus Christ. That's the thing we have to recognize. You wouldn't be here today if it were not for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Everyone in this room should be giving glory to God because you have another day to recognize Christ's presence in your life. And with that comes a responsibility. A big responsibility. I'm looking at my notes and I had written out something and I'm kind of altering it just a little bit, so bear with me. Because I don't want this to be anything about me. I want this to be about us. And why we're here and what we're doing. One thing that's really important, first of all, for you to recognize and understand is that you do have a purpose. And when you recognize what your purpose is and what God has called you to do, when you recognize what your talents are, your gifts are, your abilities are, you've been given a challenge by God to use those gifts and talents to reach other people who are hurting doesn't change the fact that you might be hurting yourself. But you've still got a responsibility to now reach out to other people who are hurting. And who better to do that than you? Because you've been hurt. You've been opposed. You've been dealing with all kinds of aggravation and stress. Stress. Let's talk about stress. You either manage stress in your life or you die. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm not overstating that. You either manage that stress or you die. And it's here. And we deal with it all the time. But when you realize, when you make a commitment to some sort of ministry, you're making a commitment to live your life in service for Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what your commitment is. It's not just because you're doing it for yourself. Because in the flesh, you won't do it for yourself. You won't do it for that reason. You'd rather just sit and do what you want to do. But making a commitment to Christ means you're going to do something now outside of yourself. And again, as a reminder, that's what we're called to do. And look, I don't expect anyone here in this room to not have a heavy heart about what's going on today. I don't expect you to do that. I'm not telling you to blow it off because I wouldn't do that. And even if I did tell you to blow it off, you would just ignore me anyway. Amen? Amen. Because one of our brothers is hurting. And his wife is hurting. And his family is hurting. But hopefully, you'll hear God speaking to you about what's most important. 
When you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, do you take it seriously? Is it serious? It should be so serious that it's life-altering and life-changing for you personally. Life-altering and life-changing. When you're born again, all the old things have passed away. All the new things are now what's most important. That's life-changing. And understanding that you have salvation because you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's life-altering, life-changing for all eternity. He is worthy of your praise. He is worthy of your service because of what he's done for you. When you know what you're called to do, you go after it. And not only do you go after it, but you go after it with gusto. It's what you really want to do. It's what you strive to do. Whatever your profession is, whatever your profession is, wherever you're called to serve, that's where you serve right in there with the Lord Jesus Christ at your side. Now, I'm firmly convinced that a lot of things that happened to us, even what happened this morning when we learned about Ken, we learn these things from experience or for experience so that we can do what? Share with other people. The hurts that we experience give us information that allow us to relate to people, even people we don't know. I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have been out somewhere and we've been to a store or been in, in just in a public place and people just start talking to you. And we don't know these people. They'll just start sharing. They'll just start saying things to you. Well, for a person like me who believes there's no such thing as an accident, and there's not, there's a reason why he calls on you to listen, wait, and speak. Because I also believe that the love of Christ will show right then and there to that person who's speaking to you. The Holy Spirit has an amazing way of making you stand out for the gospel of Christ. But you've got to be dedicated to that. It's not an accident. One thing that I'm doing now personally right now in my life growth is taking a unit of clinical pastoral education. And what that involves is basically learning how to become a chaplain at some point. That's what clinical pastoral education is. You're learning about becoming a chaplain. Now, there's a lot that I'm learning about that profession. Some things that I kind of guessed on and some things that I didn't count on. But I'm also learning a lot about Myself. Because in order for you to be able to minister to other people, guess what? You need to know a lot about who you are. Your good points, your not so good points, your bad points, your obedience, your sin, the things that you do, you learn a lot about who you are. And you should be learning a lot about who you are. Because that's what this whole thing that we're doing right now is all about. You should be learning about who you are, especially when you put yourself up next to the standards and principles of Jesus Christ. And what you'll figure out is that you've got a long way to go. Amen? You know, it's not a coincidence, by the way, that we are studying personal spiritual growth in Sunday school. When we're talking about discipleship, we're doing that once a week as well. Because I believe that's where our church is right now, and that's where we should be. Learning about where you are personally in order for you to minister to other people effectively. 
in the simplest of terms, if your life is jacked up, you can't help anybody. Let's just break it down. If you're messed up, if you're always a mess, if you're always going through stuff where you just can't beat it, can't fight it, how can you minister to other people? You can't. You're always calling the Lord, Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. That's all you can say. And he's trying to help you. Once you learn your purpose, the Holy Spirit is going to enable you and also pave the way for you to be the best person that you can be in service for Jesus Christ. You get that? The best person you can be. Not a perfect person, because you're not perfect, but the best you can be. And this is an ongoing process. That's what trusting the Spirit will do for you. If you're doing that, he's going to help you. If you're asking him, Lord, help me in this area, he will help you. He will not contradict himself. His character says if you ask for help, he will give it to you. But you've got to ask for it. Amen? You've got to ask. Ask for it. In order to be the best person you can be for Jesus Christ, there are some things that are understood for the dedicated believer. And that's really all of us. If we have a relationship with Christ, there are some things that we need to understand. First of all, you have to have faith and trust in Christ. Amen? Amen. Faith and trust in Christ goes a long way. You can jot that down by all means. That's something that's really, really important. A lack of faith or trust in Christ will hinder your development. It will hinder your development. Because God wants to teach you and see things in this trusting and having faith. Amen? He wants you to see him at work. If you're always doing everything for everybody else, where are you trusting him? What are you learning from that? I gotta go ahead and do that. When are you slowing down to allow God to really work with faith and trust? The next thing, obedience to His Word. Obedience to His Word is really, really critical. And we'll talk about that more a little bit later. And finally, a dedication to live a consistent life for him. In other words, once you learn about faith and trust, once you learn about being obedient to his word, now you want to live in consistency. You don't want to be tossed around like the waves to and fro. You want to be consistent. Consistency in this whole thing about faith is really important. So let's go back to faith and trust for a moment. Please turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And there are so many verses that you can look at when it comes to faith and trust. I'm only going to go over a couple of them because we could be here all day. We could be here all day if we really wanted to be here all day. I could take you from verse to verse to verse to verse of reminders of this whole thing about faith. But I pulled out a couple of them that I thought were most important for this particular exercise. Hebrews 11.6 says, Now without faith, I'm, looking, I'm reading from the Holman Christian version. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. Now, this verse may seem very obvious, but sometimes we blow this verse as believers. Because we have moments where we're not faithful. His faith never, wear, you know, never 
gives up on us. He's always faithful to his own word. We have trouble being faithful to him. But you can't please him without faith. Faith means you believe he does exist. Do you get that? Faith means you believe that he exists. Even though you can't see him, you can't touch him, you believe he exists. And in that very statement, that is how you please God, because you believe he exists. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of you should have this verse memorized. Amen? Do you have it memorized? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. Well, that's that trust factor. Trusting in him in all ways, not just some ways, not just partially, but giving a total commitment to him in your life. And that's not easy. It's not easy to do. But that doesn't change what we should be doing. Just because it's not easy means, oh, I give up. When something is hard, you just give up. You keep trying until you get it right. Amen? Let's move on. Obedience. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Verses 8 and 9. Now, this, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. The verses, first of all, if you're talking about how to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, look at these two verses. It says in Joshua 1, verses 8 and 9, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We have every reason to be fearful. Because of the world we live in. But God is commanding us, don't be afraid. Because I'm with you always. But what does he want us to do? Read his word, study it, and meditate on it. Meditate on it means after you close the Bible, you sit quietly and think about what you just read. And how it can benefit you. And when you do that, he's telling you you're going to be successful. Now, the challenge that we have is what? Reading the Bible, being obedient to his word, looking at what he has to say, and rather than taking, and taking the flesh completely out of the way. Because the flesh will tell you, oh, you don't need to do all that. I've got a bunch of shortcuts for you. And Satan tricks a lot of us into thinking these are ways we can be successful and we wind up having a disaster on our hands. He's telling you what you need to do to be successful. What you need to do to prosper. And I'm not just talking about prospering like for having all kinds of money. Prosperity and being successful are not measured by money. How about your health? How about your life? One more verse for obedience. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. After you read the book of Ecclesiastes, this is the verse that concludes after all is said and done. It says, when all has been heard, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, the conclusion of the matter is, fear God and keep his commands. Amen? Amen? Everybody listening, everybody awake, please say amen. Amen. Fear God and keep his commands. Because this is for all humanity. 
What are we to do? Fear God, have reverence for God, and keep his commands. If you're not obedient, you can't please him. Amen? Amen. Finally, a life of consistency. 1 Corinthians 15.58, please. 1 Corinthians 15.58. A life of consistency means that you have this approach where you're going to be reading, studying, looking at your Bible every day. Not just once a week on Sunday, amen? Everybody catch that? Not just once a week on Sunday. This has to be a daily process. In order for you to be consistent in Christ, you have to do this every day. You have to be ready to open up the Bible and look at the Word and study the Word each day. How you do that is up to you. But that's your responsibility. This helps you be more consistent in this whole thing we're talking about as far as being obedient. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There are going to be days where it's tough. And there are going to be days when you want to quit. And there are going to be days when you want to sit on the sidelines. But he's saying be steadfast and immovable. Be like a rock. You can't move a rock unless you pick it up. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Stand on the word of God. In what you're doing. Knowing that what you're doing is not, you know, we say labor in vain. It's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time, not a waste of energy, not a waste of effort. Everything that you're doing, it has a purpose. And God knows what that purpose is. And you're doing it in accordance to his will. Stay the course. Galatians 6, 9 says, so we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Don't give up. I'll never forget Jim Valvano's speech. Jim Valvano was the coach at North Carolina State. And not long before he died, he had terminal cancer. And he knew he was going to die. And everybody who was looking at him up on stage and on television knew he was going to die. But he said three words over and over again. Never give up. Never give up. Never stop trying. Always keep going. For as long as you have. Never give up. The same thing applies here. He had every reason to give up. But I'll never forget that. Never give up. Jesus Christ effectively tells you, never give up. Keep going. Don't stop. So being the best person for Jesus Christ means looking at these verses and all of Scripture to learn what it is to be a model citizen. You're doing this because you want to be a model citizen for Christ. It's your active ministry within the body of Christ and in your daily travels as a light for Jesus Christ in this dark world. Amen? The world is dark. Now, I don't know how much you believe in demonic influence, but I'd say it's at an all-time high today. And, And that's all relative to who we are, right? I mean... The life that we live and where we're at. Because demons have been around forever. It's not like this has never happened before. But there's a lot of demonic influence. And you can see that in the behaviors. So if you recognize that you are a light in a dark world, you're going to stand out. Now, in this whole thing, discipleship is a word that scares a lot of people. It scares people because it says that you have to do something. I'm going to make it real simple for you right now on what that really stands for as far as I can see it and what the Lord has given to me. You know, our focus is going to be on ministry and the development of relationships. In order for you to disciple someone, 
you've got to start somewhere. You've got to develop a relationship with someone. Amen? Amen. You have to develop a relationship. It doesn't happen when you just walk up to somebody on the street. You can't disciple someone you don't know. You have to develop a relationship. Discipleship or one-on-one instruction, mentoring and accountability all have to have starting points. And it involves making and building relationships with other people. You can't develop a relationship with someone by merely sending a friend request on Facebook. Amen? Why are you all so quiet about that? Now, I like social media. I use it a little bit here and there. But friending someone on Facebook is not going to help you to disciple anybody. You have to go deeper than that. A real relationship, you can't do it by using Snap or taking selfies on Instagram. Amen? I thought that was funny. I'll just sit in there looking at it. A real relationship starts and continues with a physical presence. A physical presence. Good old-fashioned, one-on-one relationships. Not just through social media. It's what we're going to refer to today as a ministry of presence. A ministry of presence. Consider how a person such as a shut-in or a person who doesn't receive a lot of company feels when someone comes by to see how things are going. You've made their day when you show up. That's a big deal. It shows your care and concern for a person by just showing up. Show up. Ministry begins when you step out of your zone and reach out to others. Amen? Step out of your own zone. Step out of your own place and reach out to other people. Now remember, that's regardless of how you're feeling. There are going to be days when you feel lousy. Lousy. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to associate with anybody. Don't come anywhere near me. I don't want to have anything to do with anybody today. Leave me alone. Well, that's not how life is. Because Jesus Christ is going to challenge you and say, you know what? I got somebody over here that needs to talk to you. So you think on that. And remember, you can be hurting, but you can still minister to other people with your presence. That's what we're going to focus on today. Your presence. Look at how much you appreciate God's presence in your life. And that's where it starts. When you appreciate what God has done for you, it's much easier for you to speak to other people. And that's why we have to learn about ourselves. The more you learn about yourself, the more you're going to appreciate what God has done for you. When you appreciate what God has done for you, for you, you can speak to other people about God very freely. But if you're self-centered and all caught up in yourself, guess what? You won't do that. When you're self-centered and self-focused, the only person that's important to me is me. You won't do that. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Psalm 1611 says, You have made known the path to me, the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? That Jesus Christ, his presence in your life has really done all these wonderful things for you? Amen? Amen. I was going to say, stone cold silence. Nobody really believes any of that right now. If you don't believe that, can I ask you a question? Why are you here today? If you don't believe that, no sense in your being here. But you all came here for a reason, right? You're here to do what? Praise the Lord. Worship the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. And all the things that he has done for you. 
Sometimes we have amnesia. Amnesia because we forget what God has done in our life. We need to overcome that amnesia. At a moment when someone else really needs us, the last thing we need to have is amnesia about how God has helped us. Last thing we need to have. In a ministry of presence, there are five B statements, B-E, five B statements that apply in relationship development. I'm going to ask you just to jot these down because... It's really important for you to look at this as far as how simple this thing about developing relationships can really be. Number one, be approachable. Be approachable. Approachability is important in that it defines you as a distinct child of God and as a light in the world. You have to be approachable. Now that's approachable because you're being yourself before everybody else. You're still being a human being. You're not being some weirdo who's always smiling and has a smile taped to your face. Because that's not realistic. You're not going to have days like that every day. Be a real human being. Be approachable. Look, if you look like you've always got everything together every day, people are going to come up to you. They won't want to talk to you. Be a human being. Be who you are. You can still be a light for Christ in the world and still be a human being. Amen? Amen? Amen. You can be a light before others, but be a human being. Be who you are. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Being approachable means that you stand out because of your faith and because of how you believe in Jesus Christ. You will stand out. I promise you, when you have the Holy Spirit dwell within you, he is giving you the tools and the equipment to stand out before other people. All he wants you to do is have faith and trust in him and be obedient to his word and be consistent. That's what he wants you to do. That's what he wants you to do. That's not asking that much. It's still an effort that you have to do. But look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Again, reading from the Holman, beg your pardon, from the Holman version. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You're letting everybody see who you are in your good works and service for Christ. You are going to stand out. I promise you. The Holy Spirit will make sure that you stand out as a light before others in a dark world. People need to know that you're a believer. Amen? They need to know that that's what it's all about. Okay, so that's be approachable. Number two, be available. Be available. Showing yourself as available means that there is nothing that is hindering a visit or your personal conversation. Because you can have it where somebody comes up to you and wants to talk to you. And you look like you're not paying attention to them. Be available. You show yourself as genuine when you give your undivided attention to the other person. Jesus wants you to be available to minister to others. It has nothing to do with your timing or your convenience. A lot of you don't want to hear that. Lord, let it be on my time. Well, it may not be on your time. And it may not be convenient for you. But now you're putting limits on what Jesus Christ can do because you're not putting in the time because you think it's inconvenient. Well, that's a no-no. It may not be convenient because you don't know where that other person is. 
You may live in the Eastern time zone and set your watch accordingly, but effective ministry is calibrated on God's timing. Amen? Isaiah 6, 8. King James Version. It says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Do you think Isaiah said, I'll do it when it's convenient for me. I'm not sure I can do it right now, Lord. I'll get back to you. There's nothing in scripture that says that. Amen. He said, send me now. Guess what? That's what we have to do. If he's calling you and sending you to do something, he's giving you something, you do it then. God's timing is perfect. Amen. I'm going to repeat it again. God's timing is perfect. Amen? Perfect timing. You've got to be available. Number three, be patient. Be patient. We have a world that is vastly impatient. A lot of impatience today. You can tell in traffic. Lord have mercy, driving on the road, we live in a very impatient world. Folks late all the time for everything. That's why they're going 90 miles an hour in a 60 mile an hour zone. Late all the time. Impatient. Well, you're called upon to do what? Be patient. Now, this follows being available. If you're going to be available for someone, there are times when a person that is sharing with you needs to share something to get it off their chest. And they're erupting. And they've got to get it off their chest. There may be a buildup of anger or frustration that's coming out. And it may take some time for them to get it all out. Uh, maybe you've got to go to a conference room or something and let them talk. When you're ministering to someone, it would be rude to put the other person on a time limit or give signals that they're running out of time. You know, something that you can do here, you know, when someone's being impatient, you be doing like this. Yeah. That's rude. That's not being patient. You let them talk. You don't blow them off. That's a blow off. By any standard, that's a blow off. And I had to criticize some people that I work with and say, you can't have a conversation with somebody while you're looking down at your phone. That's rude. There's different ways to do that, being rude, by the way. But that's just one that's glaring. When these moments occur, consider how patient the Lord has been with you. Amen? See, that's why I'm saying this amnesia thing needs to be really eliminated. The Lord has been patient with you over and over and over again. Even when you were acting like a complete fool. He's been patient with you. Amen? Only about three amens for that. Because reality sets in when you really realize the Lord's been really patient with you. Ephesians, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And the key word in the verse, verses will be there, embedded right in the middle. Hopefully you'll see it. Because patience is an important part of ministry. Patience is an important part of truly developing a relationship with another person. Now look, you're not going to like everybody. You're not going to get along with everybody. But this is not about liking everybody. You're getting along with everybody. Amen? Everybody can't be your friend. You can be the friendliest person in the world, but it's not about getting along with everybody or liking everybody. Someone who walks up to you and wants to talk to you, you're going to say, no, man, I don't want to talk to you. I don't even like you. That's the way to build a relationship, isn't it? Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore I, the prisoner for the Lord, 
urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. What does it say? The calling you have received. Each and every person in this room has a calling. Do you know that you have a calling? You have a calling. And not only do you have a calling, but you've got to walk worthy of that calling. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the spirit with the peace that binds us. And hey, I say that because we're all in the body of Christ. Those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't get along with everybody in the body of Christ. You still have a relationship with these people. But there's a key word in there. Patience. Patience. And it all goes back to how patient has God been with you. You should be doing the same thing for other people. Amen? Well, I can tell this sermon is going to fall on. As soon as you leave here, it's like, wow. It's a real challenge, isn't it? And remember, this is also when you're not feeling so well. You still got to be patient. Because you're in a calling. You're being called to do that. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We have a lot of angry people out there today. Angry for all kinds of reasons. But you getting angry does not make God look any better. You got to be patient. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Doesn't mean you won't get angry. That's the other thing. Getting angry is not a sin in itself. It's what you do with it. And it's important for us to understand you have emotions. God created you as an emotional being. Guess why? Because you're in his image. He's emotional. You have emotions just like he does. So it's the emotions that are not bad. It's how you work with them. Number four. Probably could have been number one. Number four. Be loving. Be a loving person. Be loving. If you look around, it's hard at times to find love in the world. No kidding. There's not a lot of love out there. But you know what? That's up to us to fix. If there's not a lot of love out there in the world, that's our responsibility. We need to take care of that. The love of Christ is in you. You share it with other people. Doesn't matter what political background they had. Doesn't matter where they're coming from. Doesn't matter if they believe the same thing you believe or not. Show love to the other person. Be loving. It's up to us to provide it. Be loving to those who you minister to. Jesus Christ summed up all the law and the commands... In Matthew 22. Go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22 verses 36 through 40. He's summing up all the law. And what the prophets had to say. With these verses. If this sums up all the law. Then guess what? This should be the foundation of what you believe. Amen? Amen? This should be the foundation of what you believe. What you profess. With your love for Jesus Christ. This is foundational. Foundational. No, but I can't love so and so. He did so and so to me. You just threw that out. Just by that statement. You have to love. It says, teach. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Starting with verse 36, Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? There's the question. The greatest commandment. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophets. If we would just start loving folks, how much further ahead would we be in our world today? Just love them. It's not conditional, by the way. They may hate you, but you love them anyway. It's not conditional. Well, because he hates me, I'm going to hate him back. Is there anything in the verse that says anything like that? You love him. You love them. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says love is patient. Remember that word patience? Patient and kind. Patient and kind. Love will always come across as an act of kindness. Kindness. And finally, number five, just be. Just be. Just be. Be. This is in line with your act of love. A ministry of presence means that you should just be. As in just be who you are. Just be. Sometimes the best thing you can do in ministry is to just listen to the other person talk to you. Just listen to what the other person is saying. Hearts may be broken and hurts may need to be expressed. Your words in response may be unnecessary or inadequate depending upon the moment. Sometimes you should just sit and say nothing. Just be. But even in that, you are making a presence in ministry. Because you're taking the time to hear what another person is saying. And that's like gold, everybody. People sometimes need to be heard for what they have to say. Whether you agree with it or not, they just need to be heard. Amen? That's ministry. That's ministry. Being a presence involves care, comfort, and helping someone to see That he or she is not alone. Remember what we said about the visitor? Not alone. Some people feel like they have no one to turn to. They're alone. And they feel that way. They may be sitting in a cubicle next to you and they still may feel like they're alone. Sometimes you just have to be there for that person. Be there. So a ministry of presence involves these five B statements. Be approachable. Be available. Be patient. Be loving. And just be. Now that's real simple. We haven't mentioned yet about sharing anything from the Bible, but that's going to come naturally. The more you're doing this personal, spiritual growth. You'll know what to say because the Spirit will give you the words to say when it's time to say it. But now all we're talking about here is just be available. Just get out there and get with people. Sit with them. Talk with them. Hear what they have to say. That's how you develop relationships. That's how you get started with this whole thing. Discipleship. Oh, I don't know if I can disciple anybody. Sure you can. Start with developing relationships with people. This, if you've never done anything like this before, can be the jump start for your ministry. Just talk to people. Speak to people. Even if you don't know all the answers, and none of us know all the answers, or you're still learning in your own relationship with Jesus Christ, you can still do all of these things as you learn more about him in serving him. Remember, it's not in vain. You're going to learn something. But you just have to trust and do it. It means coming out of your comfort zone in faith, obedience, and living in consistency for Jesus Christ. You 
can do it. You can do it. But you've got to set your mind to do it. You can do this. Jesus Christ wants you to live and love others with a ministry of presence. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for how you can teach us just as we trust you step by step, steps of faith day by day. Lord, you teach us. You make the spirit available for us to learn what you would have us to learn at our own pace and in our own timing. Thank you for challenging us to grow in you. Thank you for being present at those moments when we really need you. But Lord, now help us to be present for other people who are also in need of the love of Christ. Lord, we don't want to live in a vacuum. We don't want to live in a place where we're not doing the things you would have us to do. We want to live in a place, Lord, where you will minister to us as we minister to others. We thank you for those opportunities that you give us to develop these relationships with other people. Maybe people we've never met before and that we'll run into and have a relationship with in the future. Help us to truly hear you speak to us. Help us to yield to the Spirit every day and often, as much as possible. Because, Lord, ultimately, you're the one to be glorified in all of this. We just thank you for being vessels for you. We thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Of course, the important thing is making sure that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In order for you to be able to disciple others, that's a prerequisite. And we need to be prayerful each and every day for those people we do not that we know who do not know Christ. Family members, friends, relatives, co-workers, make this a part of your day each day to pray for those individuals who do not know the Lord. Someone needs to pray for them. And that person should be you. Father, we pray now for those people that we do we know that do not know you. Lord, we lift them up to you, that you will make known your presence in all things. Lord, remind us to pray for them daily, because, Lord, you desire for those people to come to a saving knowledge of you. It's never a hopeless situation until they're gone. We pray for them now, Lord, that you will just bless them, give them recognition when they do seek you, and give them the knowledge and desire to declare you as personal Lord and Savior. We thank you for the results that we may find out maybe when we leave here. But we thank you for caring for each and every one of us the way you do. And we give you that praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.